On this episode of Life at the Ballpark, you'll hear from a man whose very birth is just weeks after the beginning of the franchise that he loves. He now oversees the Hall of Fame for that team, and he shares how he's seen how baseball is more than a sport. It's a connection between families and between generations. Baseball has a special magic. It has a special magic to tie people together, to tie generations together, to tie families together. In its best moments, it will even heal old wounds. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe people haven't been talking to their mother or father or their sister or brother or whatever. And baseball can be that one link that stays and, uh, and keeps that going. And you can see that uh, in, in a place like the Royals Hall of Fame where they're connecting... Welcome to Life at the Ballpark, sharing stories from players, managers, and coaches, writers, and broadcasters about their lives around baseball. From the Sandlots to the Big League Ballparks, this episode is coming to you from On the Road, from the Royals Hall of Fame at Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri. Hi, I'm John Frost, and today my guest is Kurt Nelson. He's the director of the Royals Hall of Fame. Kurt, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. We want to hear about your life in baseball. And I'm just curious, I mean, how does one end up being the <laughs> director of the Hall of Fame for the Kansas City Royals? What's how, that story? How does that happen? Well, I was fortunate enough that I, uh, you know, I came on, people ask me, uh, how long have you been with the Royals? And I say, that's sort of a two-part question. I said, I assume you, what you actually mean is, how long have I worked for the Royals? I've been with the Royals from the beginning. And then when the renovation process came for, for Kauffman Stadium in, uh, in around 2007, we knew we were going to build a building that was going to house the Royals Hall of Fame. The Royals Hall of Fame as an entity, we had st- have been inducting people since 1986, but it was really just a concourse display. We didn't have a building or a place to really tell stories in depth. And when we knew we were going to do that, that's when ownership came to me and asked me if I would take on that particular uh, job. And I was glad to do it. I think primarily because I got to be known around the office, you know, people would wonder, it's some sort of Royals history thing. It's like, oh, I don't know. Go ask Kurt. He, he seems to remember all that stuff. He's got all that. So I sort of took that, that uh, nerddom, geekdom, which I say in with love because anybody that considers themselves that I, I'm the head nerd. And uh, so I, I were somehow worked that into a career which seems to, you know, seems to be very fortuitous on my part. I'm very, very fortunate and grateful for the opportunity. So that's sort of how it came about. Just first getting inside and then getting to be known as the guy that knows a little bit too much about obscure information about the Royals. So I built it into a career and it's it's been fantastic. I couldn't ask for anything more. So when people say how long you've been the Royals, I know that you also connect this way back to basically all your life. That's right. right. I always say, you know, the Royals were in in some ways you could say they were born on January uh, 11th, 1968, when Mr. and Mrs. K were awarded the expansion franchise, as it was called then before they even had the name. And I was born on uh, February 16th, 1968. So I always tell people, if you want to know how old the, the Royals are. You can just look at me. It's this. This is how old the Royals are. Although the Royals are usually in much better shape than I am, and don't need to get on a treadmill to work out. But um, so I really go back to that very beginning, and and fortunate in it 
because I was born into that time and the Royals we, uh, were so successful as an expansion team that by the time I really got to know what baseball was and knew that I liked it and things, you know, when you're six, seven, eight years old, you, if you follow the years there, you can follow the years with the Royals and realize that I was a fortunate child in the fact that when when I knew I loved baseball, the Royals were just being turning into a championship ball club. And from the time I knew I liked baseball all the way until I was a senior in high school, uh, when the Royals won the World Series in 1985, I knew nothing but winning and uh, championship play, great players, interesting players, guys with fascinating stories. And of course, we had what I would say was the greatest player of the era. There's many people that could qualify in that area area, but you know, it's great to have that, that superstar that really sort of holds it all together for you. I was able to watch and enjoy and admire and thrill, be thrilled by George Brett's career along with many, many others. But the, you know, he obviously stands out because of his stature in the game and going into the hall of fame. So that's all my childhood. That is every bit of my childhood which makes me i think have a, a unique perspective on on royals history because i feel like it's so intertwined with with who i am in my life and those those teams of the late mid to late 70s you yeah. know every october they yes. were going to be there and those amazing series that they had every year with the yankees and those iconic, the the George Brett upper deck home run off a of Goose Gossage, the Chris Chambliss running around the bases, yes. which is just, I mean, that's just historic. All of those games happened when you were falling in love with baseball yes. in, the, in the late 70s. It's amazing, isn't it? I look back, and you know, that's what made, for me... Well, that's what made the 2014 and 15 championship season so special because I knew, and I always tell people I knew, and I had all my stories, and I can go chapter and verse on you know the Georgia's home run against Gossage, which for for many years I think was the singular moment in Royals history. In some ways, it overshadowed winning the World Series in the sense of drama. Uh, because the Game 7 of the 85 World Series was not filled with much drama. It was filled with a lot of emotion, but not a lot of drama. And uh, But I had all those moments as a kid, and there was a whole generation of Kansas City kids and Royals fans that did not have those moments, and it was so much fun in 14 and 15 for me to watch through their eyes and and understand so they, they sort of understood what I what I was saying because you would get over time you would talk a lot about oh, any world championship of people are going to always talk about so we would talk a lot about 85 and even the 80 team which I think gets a little short shrift because they didn't win but they won an American League pennant the first one in Kansas City which was amazing and and so they you would you would sometimes get a literal or a figurative eye roll when people when you would talk about those champions because we were so far removed from them and then after 14 and 15 i've been able to go to those people and say see now you know what i'm talking about well and one of the reasons too if you 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 apply the sociological aspects of this that was right as free agency was happening right and you had the david and goliath syndrome because kansas city was a smaller market team and you were playing the big boys you were playing Philadelphia. You were playing the New York Yankees, and all of that happened in the in in the aftermath of, of free agency. And so that whole storyline about what it meant for the city of Kansas City, right? Absolutely, it was it was in that era, 
And, you know, the Yankees had had some bad times before then, too. And you're right to point out that it was sort of uh, in the era of free agency when the Yankees kind of came back to life. And we've seen that over time, the rules changes, uh, the, the draft and things like that, that sort of level the playing field a little bit. And then things get a little bit more skewed. And sometimes the bigger market teams take over some dominance for for a period of time until things find another equilibrium. And that was certainly the case back in in those days and it was fun to see those you know it was 76 and 77 and 78 you, you go back there the 76 team that was the the royal and it was very quick in those days it was very quick from an expansion team in, in 69 to playoffs in 76 and good to go to the fifth game which that's you know it was best of five the alcs back then and you did sort of have that feeling of uh you know, happy to be there in 76, 77, when then the shambles home run that sort of crushed the dreams uh, in 76, but then came back in 77, 102 wins, still a Royals record. Mm-hmm. That time we, we met the Yankees again down to the fifth game, which was here that time, had a lead in the ninth inning and couldn't hold on to it. And the Yankees beat us again. And then in 78, we uh, lost in four games, although George had a, a three-home run game in, in, in New York. And then 1980, of course, was sort of the, the crowning episode uh, at that time because uh, we swept the Yankees and made it to the World Series. Uh, in some ways, the, that felt like the, the ultimate accomplishment. And, uh, of course, we lost the World Series, a World Series we really should have won looking back on it. We, we really did not hold on to leads that we had in that we probably should have won the world series there but then kansas city was so delighted with be just beating the yankees so yeah so there and there's there's so in in that way the two eras are a little bit different because the second era the 14 15 era that came much quicker you know it was like the 13 we were 10 games over 500 it's like hey we've really got a team that can compete and then 14 boom made the playoffs that was fantastic oh, you're playing a bunch of kids and then nobody boom, ever heard it was, of it was like two weeks later you yeah. know the, the the exhilaration of finally making the playoffs on that september 26th friday night in chicago if finally clinched that and it was like 12 days later we're in the world series it was it happened very quickly which was a little bit different than the the early era royals championships which, which was more of a build-up and uh, had to deal with some some uh, disappointments the 14 and 15 teams allowed us to uh, to go right to the the high of highs and uh, that's what made them special Coming up, you'll hear Kurt Nelson share about Kansas City's unique place in baseball history. Next on Life at the Ballpark. Kansas City has a deep, long, storied, rich tradition of baseball that goes all the way back into right after the Civil War. We had professional baseball in Kansas City before the city even had its name. You're listening to this podcast because you have an interest in baseball. If you own a business, what do you think people who call you have an interest in? Yeah, your business. So you need a message on hold. Now, tell your callers about your products and services, locations and hours, special offers and more with a message on hold now. We've been providing telephone on hold messages since 1992, and we can do one for you. Get your custom message on hold now at messageonholdnow.com. Messageonholdnow.com. Now back to Life at the Ballpark. 
and my conversation with Kurt Nelson, director of the Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame. I hope you'll subscribe and share with your friends. There's a new episode each week. We're recording this podcast at the Royals Hall of Fame. We're right on the floor. You see people come. I mean, you're the you're the you're the daddy of this, right? Yes. You're, you're, you, this you is have, my child. If I have one, this is this is your child. <laughs> tell me about. Tell me some stories about the faces that you see when they come in here. Obviously, you have the championship trophies mm-hmm. from '85 and '15, and you have many ar- ar- artifacts. You you, you well, give me a, a sort of an overview of what's in here, but then the personal aspects of. You know, grandfathers and fathers and grandchildren coming in and seeing things in here. That must be very satisfying and touching for you since you created it. It really is. It's one of those, you know, it sounds corny and everything, but it's true. It's just it is just true that baseball has a special magic. Baseball has a special magic. I love football. I love basketball. I love other sports. I love hockey. Baseball has a special magic. It has a special magic to tie people together, to tie generations together, to tie families together, to heal sometimes. It's, in its best moments, it will even heal old wounds. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe people haven't been talking to their mother or father or their sister or brother or whatever, and baseball can be that one link that stays and, uh, and keeps that going. And you can see that. Uh, in in a place like the Royals Hall of Fame, where they're connecting, uh, in times that they they either shared together, which is always great, or in times that an older person could speak to a younger person about the the times before and how that sort of spurred maybe their interest in in baseball and 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 tie those things together. So when you're in the Royals Hall of Fame. Uh, for Royals fans, it certainly does that. We've been able to acquire artifacts over the years that that are sort of those touchstone moments where people can can tie all that together. So it's fun to see that in their eyes when they make that connection. The other things that are up there, there's two other things that I always enjoy about being up there is people that don't know the history of baseball in Kansas City outside of the Royals. Kansas City has a deep long storied rich tradition of baseball that goes all the way back into right after the civil war we had professional baseball in kansas city before it the city even had its name that's how far back baseball goes in kansas city and we try to tell the stories of those preceding teams because there's so many interesting stories and fascinating people that came along into Kansas City some of them much more familiar to other people in places where they went you know Jackie Robinson of course being one of the 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 biggest ones out of there Jackie's Jackie's career didn't begin with the with the Brooklyn Dodgers Jackie's career began with the Kansas City Monarchs here in Kansas City and so it's 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 fun to be able to make sure that that those stories are told and then you know, from a, a more familiar recent thing is if some moment, and I always say history can happen at any moment. It happens all the time. We might have something. We had one earlier this year. Whit Merrifield had a 31-game hitting streak, which set a Royals record, bypassing George Brett's 30-game hitting streak in, in 1980. And we were able to get artifacts from that moment and get them on display inside the Royals Hall of Fame 
within a day or so. So you can bring that history that just happened, that you just witnessed, and bring that into the story because the story is... The story never ends. It does. It did have a beginning point in 68, 69, but the story doesn't end. And it's fun to be able to add those stories and those links. And it makes the point to people that all the things that you see before that maybe you weren't around to see are tied to the things that are right here that you did see. So it's all tied together. You talk about the reaction of the fans. What about the reaction of the players when George Brett or Brett Saberhagen, or Frank White is in the Royals Hall of Fame, and they're seeing the artifacts, or they're meeting the fans. Give, give the perspective from seeing the legends here with their tribute. Yeah, those guys, it's always great when those guys come out here because it's sort of like the, it's their house, you know, and uh, especially our Hall of Famers who who uh, are Royals Hall of Famers who of, obviously have a, a, a play huge roles in the history of the franchise. So to have them come back in and and be able to re- relive those moments and it sort of ties that together for them, too, because. You know, uh, George Brett and Frank White and Brett Saberhig and all those guys you mentioned would be constantly asked about 1985, as they should be, because they were part of a World Series champion, which is a, a tremendous experience. But there was a, there was a gap of championship Royals teams, and there was no group of people that was any more thrilled than former Royals when the 2014 and 15 team won championships, because... They wanted to be able to talk about other Royals that had won championships, and they're able to do that now. So that they sort of have the same thrills that the fans do when they come in and see the, the accomplishments of 14 and 15 and the players now. They sort of make that connection to them about what it was like in their day and the things that, that they're doing now. So it's great when they're out here and, the, and seeing the fans. And then there's, there's some that are, that are minor, what would be considered sort of minor players that you wouldn't, you know— their stories are not as well known. The, my favorite one upstairs is in the Royals Hall of Fame. Is there's a display on what was a really unique concept and time that was a, it was a thing called the Royals Baseball Academy, a very innovative thing back at the very beginning of Royals. And this is something that the Royals that happened inside the Royals that really had an impact not only on the Royals but in the entire game of baseball because all teams have baseball academies now. And many of them built on the original concepts of the Royals Baseball Academy. Now, the idea back then was... Uh, Mr. Kaufman wanted to be competitive as quickly as he could. And the only means that this was before free agency, how can we acquire players? And there's there's the draft and there was trading. And it was like, but what about, what's another way we could possibly do it? And the idea behind it was, let's go out and find athletes, athletes, great athletes, young athletes, that maybe baseball isn't their primary sport, but they have great athletic skill. And let's have an intensified school where you can teach baseball, and uh, we'll call it the Royals Baseball Academy. And it only was around for a couple of years. And no player from it had made the major leagues at the time that it was closed down. But, well, not long after it was closed down, there there were 15 players that participated in one way or another with the Royals Baseball Academy that would make it up to the big leagues, including Frank White, who won eight gold gloves and has his number retired here with us and is uh, 
in in our in our Hall of Fame. And you know, you go back to that 1980 American League pennant winning team. Well, the the double play combination in the, on that team was UL Washington at shortstop, Frank White at second base. Interesting on two accounts: the first all African American double play combination to ever win a pennant, and two both not drafted. Signed as amateur free agents that came through the Royals Baseball Academy. The ultimate declaration of its success you could see in those particular two players. But not only the, those players that made it. There's several players that didn't make it to the big leagues, but but had an impact on the game of baseball anyway. And a couple that I always point out. Ron Washington, who led the Texas Rangers to a couple of American League pennants. He is a Royals Baseball Academy graduate. So he really had an image, still having an impact today uh, in the big leagues. Uh, and there was uh, a gentleman by the name of Hal Baird who went through the Royals Baseball Academy, would go on and become the head baseball coach at Auburn University and coached Hall of Famer Frank Thomas, a great reliever named Greg Maddox, and a guy that people might remember named Vincent Edward Bo Jackson. So, so he taught the game. So the Royals Baseball Academy was sort of a teaching academy, not only a playing academy, it was really a teaching academy because there were so many players that would come through that would go on and become coaches. Another one, the one that's really touching to me was a guy by the name of Jeff Cox, who nobody really remembers, but he's been a major league coach. He's been involved in major league baseball and been a major league coach for many years. And he was a third base coach for the White Sox several years ago. And he happened to be walking around the ballpark. He came in the Royals Hall of Fame. He looked at the Royals Baseball Academy uh, display up there. He didn't really know it was there. And I wa- I happened, this is serendipitous, I happened to be walking through when he was there and he had a tear coming out of his eye. He was looking back at the Royals Baseball Academy and he was explaining to me what an impact that particular program had on him in his entire life. He said, you know, had it not been for the Royals Baseball Academy, I probably wouldn't have been involved in professional baseball. And he said, in professional baseball and Major League Baseball has been my life. And he goes, when I see that, it's, it's, it's really hits me that, that that was really a touchstone for my, my entire adult life. And that was, you know, that once again, baseball is magical. And it can do that, and it can grab hold of you and stay with you for your entire life. So that, those, are, those are some of the, the fun things that, that happen in, in being able to do this job. You mentioned Bo Jackson, and it's, it's amazing that we can even talk about the Royals this long without his name coming up because he was such a remarkable athlete. But I've heard Buck O'Neill tell the story of hearing Bo Jackson hit the ball and I was outside the fence but it was a sound of the bat that I had never heard before in my life that was Ruth hitting the ball and the next time I heard that sound I'm in Washington DC I rushed out and there was Josh Gibson hitting the ball and I heard this sound again now I didn't hear it anymore I'm in Kansas City and I heard this sound one more time that I hadn't heard only twice in my life now you know who this is Bo Jackson swinging at that, and now I heard this sound. It was a thrill for me. I said, here it is again. I heard it again. I've only heard it three times in my life, but now I'm living because I'm going to hear it again one day if I live long enough. Buck told stories like nobody else, but there's there's a lot of truth in that. I'm such an amazing athlete. You know, Bo's really like a superhero more than he is, and he's like a superhero come to life. 
because uh, he did all these amazing uh, things that defied all sense and reality and gravity even at times. And the fact that he was able to do it in two major sports, when you look at Michael Jordan, when you look at Tim Tebow, and you see what amazing athletes they are, they were. But Bo Jackson did it. Bo Jackson, I think he was in all-star games in both sports. He was. He was the first one first one to do that. And, uh, gosh, he's just – it's unfortunate because we never really saw him the best baseball player he could have been. And – uh, the other is we never necessarily saw him as the best football player maybe he was going to be. and uh, But what was amazing is how good he was at both of them, and we might not have seen the height of it. Uh, but it is very indelible moments. Uh, the throw in Seattle, which is one that uh, it's like it's, – how does how does a human being do that mm-hmm. when he went up the wall in baltimore yeah. like spider-man i mean uh, uh, you just look at that and you go what in the world is going on out yeah. there yeah. i mean did i just see that so yeah what an amazing amazing athlete i wish we i wish we could have seen it longer that's for sure kurt nelson director of the royals hall of fame thanks for sharing about your life at the ballpark in fact this has been so fun i think we should just keep going Listen next week for part two of our conversation. There's a new episode each week. I hope you'll subscribe and share with your friends.